Hello and welcome to the Deja Review Podcast, where a group of film lovers get together to discuss a cult or a classic film that one or more of them has just watched for the very first time. I'm Mike Cairns. Over there is Kane Porkchop Daniel. Hi, I'm Jack. Um, <laughs> torrential rain. <laughs> and Seb Red Rum. How are you doing? And uh, we are joined for the very first time by Virginia Murdoch. Welcome. Hello, thank you for having me. This is exciting. Well, we uh, you you chose um, the uh, the nineteen eighty Stanley Kubrick horror, or is it a horror? The Shining, um, which you'd never seen before. Um, what uh, I guess, what's your sort of Kubrick? Uh, you know, like what do you have you seen a bunch of kubrick and what did you know about this film before going in yeah i've seen i've probably seen most other kubrick films um but the the shining i hadn't seen but i'd obviously seen just about every scene of it mm. in, it is it, it's yeah. just so it's so heavily referenced in Massively. um in in pop culture and the I, simpsons yeah, well the simpsons <laughs> but but it's everywhere it's everywhere yeah. and um so I was really struck getting to the end of it that I had there was virtually nothing that I hadn't seen before. Were like there any no, surprises? Sort of narrative surprises, maybe, uh, but not. There was no. There was no scene that I wasn't already familiar yeah. with in some sense. Yeah. So it was just how crazy. That's crazy that you can absorb that whole film, and just through pop culture. And mm. now I can totally understand because it's yeah. It is. It is out there. It's almost the Citizen Kane thing to some degree. Like, you know, you can absorb... I mean, I've seen... I only watched that a few years ago and it's like, I know most of this movie. Like, it's. I still loved it and enjoyed it, but it was like, I know most of the beats of this film and it's just been, you know, by osmosis from everything else. Um, so so what, 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 what's, your fear, what's your opinion of Kubrick as a filmmaker beyond The Shining? Do you, is he a fave or a problematic fave? <laughs> problematic fave, maybe. I don't know. I mean, m- my main enjoyment of Kubrick's films is about the the f- way it is, way he designs things, like the visual ele- elements of Kubrick's films. The formal than, elements. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm definitely not a big fan. I just have happened to see, you know. Hard to escape seeing... Well, a few of them, at mm. the very least. Was there a reason why you hadn't seen this before? Was it because it, yeah, it was a, a horror? Are you a horror film? Yeah, not a person? horror fan. Okay, right. and I it was, was kind of like scared. Yeah, maybe just like oh, I might avoid that one just because. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what did you think? In general, I mean, it's a it's a it's a hard film to um, <laughs> define. <laughs> like, but it's it's uh, you know, were you scared? Was it uh, you know what what yeah. I, I was, was scared. I mean, there were there were some. It's it was because I'd seen so much of it before. Some of I think some of the scariness of it was it was a bit declawed by yep. the fact that so much of it is um, familiar. Um, I was very interested in the sort of race politics of it, which wasn't which I hadn't known about before and hadn't thought yeah. at all I mean, that's, that's got to be like the most covert part of it mm. that you wouldn't pick up from pop culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You wouldn't, yeah. without seeing it all strung together, I don't mm. think that that's obvious. Um, I, I'm not, I'm not a Jack Nicholson fan. So right. okay. I 
I think I'd maybe avoided it because I hadn't. I don't. Not. I just don't like yeah. him. I don't buy him. He's too. There's too much Jack all the time. Yep. So, I don't. I didn't love his performance, but uh, I. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and I was glad to have seen it, and glad that I'd. I you know, uh, yeah, I, I think filled a gap. If you, if it's it's one of the. Uh, I, I do feel it's one of those movies where you think, even if you're not a Jack Nicholson fan, no one else could have. Done that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, just who, who uh, was, just, here we go. Well, well not, not, <laughs> not, not just giving forward into the, into the, you know, the facts, the, the bits and pieces here. But the one person who I do think could have played it really well, Jim Carrey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Steve Carell, no, um, is uh, Robin Williams. He oh, was, he was, he was up in, for it. He yeah. was up for it. He was in the running. Um, but Jack Nicholson had just come off the back of One One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, and obviously the word "cuckoo's" in there, and that's a big part mm. of this uh, part of this film. But it's kind of like he uh, was an easy, it was an obvious choice. But the one um, where it deferred from the novel, which we'll get into, uh, is that um, Jack Nicholson definitely plays an unhinged character right from the ground floor, right from mm. the start of the film. You know, you. Also because he's Jack Nicholson and he's he's done what he's done and you know that he's going to fuck shit up. He's going to he's going to make this a horrible experience. He's definitely going to fly off the rocket hip. Whereas if it was someone played by little sweet old Robin Williams who subtle. can slowly yep, slowly turn over the course of the film, which is more in line with the book, I feel like that would have been almost scarier like you 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 sort of treated with this you 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 given this sweet uh, sweet little comedic character, who and Robin Williams plays that. He can play. He can play a great a fucking creep. Like he can play a really good creep. And it's I think I, or one hour photo or any of those. That was that was one of the questions I had about the film was whether th- the p- purpose of it was to have the um, hotel in some way change the character, yeah. and but the fact that you know they're driving up the mountain and he's a dick. He's yeah. like, oh, totally. Well, yeah, absolutely. He's just not a very is, nice he, is he bringing the badness to the hotel? Is Danny bringing the badness to the hotel, or is the hotel inherently bad? Or um, yeah, that's I, a good question. I, 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 yeah, I mean, that that is the question. Like, did the hotel change him, or was he just unhinged and being alone for you pushed know, him over the this edge? Is, this him is why. So, this is why we aren't the first bit. People to talk about this, <laughs> basically because what? there are no answers. There are no one has analysed this movie. <laughs> Nobody. It's one of possibly the most analysed film of all time, mm. uh, and it spawned documentaries and spawned it's the really room, crazy two thirty four, two three seven, two three seven is is one of the most batshit crazy documentaries, just purely because it goes into. Just the, it's fan theory. <laughs> it is fan theory. Yeah. So people, people, uh, there, there is a whole documentary about people who have spent their lives analysing this movie and, and have these insane theories about this movie. They, they, they tie it into how Kubrick faked the moon landing. Yeah. How he he's he's trying to trying to let people know this via the Apollo Eleven jumper and the logo on the carpet looks like the the NASA. NASA. The, the, mm. all, all this just absolute. Uh, I mean, that whether or not. Anyone believes any of this is, yeah. There are some theories in it which do. Uh, I do think Kubrick has intentionally thrown in there, but there's a lot of nonsense in there as well. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that. Kane, mm-hmm. thoughts, uh, history, etc. Well, I think I like 
a lot of young men of a certain disposition like venerated Kubrick a lot in my teens and early 20s, kind of thinking of him as like the godhead of cinema, you know, um, this kind of austere genius or whatever. Um, and I think I've modulated that opinion quite a lot. I mean, I, I, I still uh, love a lot of Kubrick films. Certainly not Eyes Wide Shut. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, <laughs> that film is a real turkey. <laughs> like, like, really, I think the only true turkey he made. Um, uh, but, yes, I mean, I was very enamored of The Shining. Uh, when I was in university, I wrote an essay on it, Ooh, an- analyzing can we, it. We uh, published that one. I, it's, it's, <laughs> it's lost to time. Oh, I'm um, sure. <laughs> yeah, analyzing it through the lens of Michel Foucault's essay Nietzsche Genealogy History. Uh, <laughs> so it, that really paints a portrait of me as a young man, for sure. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I still like it. I'm I, a lot, a lot. I think I think it's I think it's um really in the top handful of his best movies. And and I think it's interesting and and I think part of perhaps what makes it the most compelling, one of the most compelling is is that it is a uh, one of the only off the top of my head films that deliberately plays within and I guess with or tries to bust down the conventions of a genre picture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, can, no, we'll extrapolate, please. Well, you, you can, I guess you could make the argument that 2001 is a science fiction movie, but but, but I, I don't think that there was any precedent for it. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like uh, Buck Rogers. It wasn't trying to... Um, it wasn't playing with the conventions or tropes right. or right, right, right. or formal yep. aspects. Where, whereas I think The Shining does. I, I I think that part of the genius of The Shining is is that um, it presents itself as if it is a horror film like any other, like like a a, a genre pulpy kind of movie when um, it's not at all, and 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 I think that a lot of its weight and redolence is because of that interplay between genre convention and his kind of weird, um, uh, distant kind of uh, almost misanthropic point of view. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because I, from what I understand, The Shining's quite a a um, divisive Kubrick film. Is it? Yeah, and I mean. You could watch this movie and just say, is this just a sequence of creepy shots, you know, with no particular... Works for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, but I love that this film, well, it makes you think, but it also it doesn't give you all the answers or you know a lot of answers and it like and and that's what i think a good horror movie or a good thriller should do is just leave you thinking about stuff and whether and and having giving your own interpretation unfortunately it goes you know to the room to 237 sort of uh, yeah. you know level of things um and but a, just, another thing it, i really sorry just uh, that i really get a, a kick out of in it 
And it's, again, true to one degree or another in a lot of Kubrick movies, but particularly in The Shining, is that all of the performances are deliberately non-naturalistic. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're, they're, uh, either, they're either bound up and wooden, like, ah, oh, perfect for a child. You mm. know what I mean? Like these weird mm. um, conversations early on with, with like, yeah. full of formality mm. and, and this stiffness that is just awkward and weird, like, in, into these, again, crazily non-naturalistic kind of huge gestures of anger and, and berserk kind of ludicrous rage. But would you... The, I, I, I sort of definitely picked up on that, but I, I kind of feel like um, that Shelley Duvall's character is kind of the only one who has some sort of natural performance in the movie. Yeah. Um, like when she's talking to um, Danny at the start, like, and he's, you know, yeah. rare, very wooden, like she will be like, you know, because she, she's like the folksy sort of mm. home strung kind of girl and, and, and she uh, she's in between those those two, uh, um, sure. yeah, like ends of the the, the performance spectrum. She's um, amazing in this film. Mm. She is like hundred percent. You didn't. You didn't. No, 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 no. Oh my god. She is just like this. Just no, no. Sorry, yeah. it was, um, but <laughs> no. uh, but also it's just one of those. You know, once you know about the production of the film. Oh um, yeah. I mean that that aside. Uh, I mean it's yeah. it's one thing to say how Kubrick gets um, reactions out of how any director gets um, reactions out of actors, but. He really fucking tortured her. He on dra- set. dragged her over. And he told she was he losing told, her hair. Yeah, he told yeah. all of the cast uh, and crew to more or less treat her with a bit of disrespect and don't, don't just don't really um, just uh, yeah. Like don't basically. let her get comfortable. Yeah, don't yeah. let her get too comfortable. I mean, he's, uh, the the equivalent just, for Jack. The equivalent for Jack was he basically for two weeks he made him eat um, cheese sandwiches. Which Jack Nicholson doesn't like cheese sandwiches, so he just wanted him to to be sort of have this this ball of of this uh, this yeah, gut of, so. of <laughs> pissed offness in his in his gut. <laughs> which eating cheese sandwiches compared to what uh, Shelley Duvall went through is is nothing. But um, and it was a year of shooting. Yeah, it was a year that, of production. It was supposed to be. A sh- much shorter shoot. Wasn't yeah. It, well, no, I mean, a year shooting is mm. insane for a movie, um, mm. even at that time. But and it's it's uh, it's you know there there is a lot of stories in Hollywood of mainly female actors being you know sort of pushed to to get that performance. And it's just like, well, no, they're actors. They just mm-hmm. they'll generally mm-hmm. like you can you can fire people up, but. Like uh, there was a story of Dustin Hoffman when they were doing Kramer versus Kramer, and he was having a go at um, uh, um, Meryl Streep, like, and he was like basically having because John Cazale had just died, you know, from all of those movies that we've seen, and he was just like giving a shit about it and all of that sort of stuff to get the performance, and it's like fuck you. <laughs> I don't know, like I know I'm trying it's to be like us. Mr. Woke. <laughs> it's for us. But yeah. yeah. But it's just like yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's woke to uh stand against people mm. abusing other no, people. But it's but it's just that thing of just well, like yeah, I I I I think yeah, I, I, the, I think the most the, the most grotesque thing about that trope is is how people who are enacting that violence and abuse end up kind of venerated for it. You know what I mean? Mm. Directors yeah. in particular. It's it, it's something that people end up 
seeming like they admire them for. Anyway. Yeah. Just on the 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 keyword there of of abuse. Have you have you looked into? I'm not sure if. I mean, this I I this had never crossed my mind when watching this film. I've watched this film a lot of times. Um, I probably watched it first when I was about. 12 years old when I was way too young to watch this. I uh, didn't really understand a whole lot of what was going on, but I had an mm. older cousin who I used to watch all the horror movies with and the Freddies and the Jasons and the all those movies. And you could, I, I, sure, I was re, I was very scared of those, but you could kind of laugh them off. Whereas this one, it was, a, it was a slow burn, so you couldn't really laugh it off as easily as those films. And it definitely um, stayed with me for a few reasons there but the the one thing I wanted to talk about was the the underlying reason or I guess it's the 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 relationship between Jack and uh his son who Danny who have you looked into the, the whole abuse thing do you know right there, there have you have you heard about any of the theories behind um <laughs> not not off not not, not, on, not Jack Nicholson not, not yeah. Jack Nicholson but the the um there's a shot of the bear with mm-hmm. his ass out, yep. giving the guy a blowjob. And you're like, all right, what has that got to do with anything else to do, anything else in the rest of the film? Uh, you can kind of put the pieces together there with. Oh. Yeah. So the bear actually symbolizes Danny being sexually abused by his father. Now, this, uh, in the lobby in the beginning, uh, Jack is seen reading a Playgirl magazine, not Playboy, uh, from January 1978. That issue has, uh, which obviously has a, a bit of a homosexual innuendo there, but he it features a cover story on incest and why parents sleep with their children. So if you look up that issue. Details. Was, this is details. This is when, Whoa. this is getting into the room 237 stuff, which a lot of it is absolutely bogus, but this is like a really dark, this is the horror story stuff that Kubrick, I think was, I mean, he's a, the devil is in the detail and this is very much the <laughs> the devil at work here. But there's also in uh, Danny's bedroom, there is a picture of a bear and like an, a, a, a daddy bear and a kid bear above his bed. And in the parents' room, there is a picture in the background of two naked children. And there's one of them is standing up and one of them is sitting down in the same pose as... As this. So you look at the, like from a production design point of view, this oh. is where the film gets really fucking terrifying <laughs> and really, really dark. I mean, it's one thing to talk about this as a genre film, a horror yeah. film, whatever it is, but this is where it's like, okay, um, it's getting pretty fucking heavy. But, but it seems to me that there's something like really playful about it. Like because you have the Room 237 thing, that reading, like all these people making these detailed um if you notice that and that, and they've got uh, an evidence board up on their wall with red string, yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, do you not think that that maybe the game that Kubrick is actually playing is putting all of these signifiers throughout the film that can be woven into any m- yeah, totally. m- multiplicity yeah. of detailed? Uh, do you think like, that was like his end linkings? Game? Sorry. Do you think that was his his game the whole time to actually? To Perhaps. put a whole bunch of these things, and you you basically draw the draw the lines together, whether or not, like someone is clearly not not being, not, mm. not 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 as not as um as not random as, as that not as specific as that more more that um I I think that there's a distinct possibility that that um 
that there are all of these particularly items throughout the movie that are kind of prominently placed, easily readable um, on screen, that, that, and perhaps they were put there with no kind of coherent reading meant, mm. but, but in the fullness of knowledge that if you put a large enough volume of those kind of signs and signifiers throughout a film, then it's going to lead people to start making those sorts of readings. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, there are few directors who did more pre-production on films than yeah. Stanley Kubrick. Right. Like he spent, you know, years and years and years getting these things, you know. Yeah. Because um, I think this was like five years between movies. Mm. Um, he started spacing them out a yeah. lot more. And, 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 and to that as well, I think it gets under noted like how funny and playful a dude he is. You know what I mean? I think his films are really associated with this kind of austerity, formal austerity and kind of um, emotional distance. But I think that he, he was a playful dude at the same time, you know? Do you have, what's, um, do you have sort of any big criticisms of this film, Virginia? I f- because I'm because I'm very anti Jack Nicholson. I find him a very sort of warping presence in the film. Like mm. I found it hard at like I've, because I think the other performances are very restrained. Um, you know, not, yep. not wholly, but you know, the, he's 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 the, he's the he biggest. Yeah, he's the biggest uh, presence mm. in the film, and then yep. it sort of. It sort of wrecks it a little bit for me. I think if he if he had been a bit more subtle, it would have been a bit more chilling and scary. Right. Um, I there are there are scenes which sort of drag, and there are bits of it which are not very like I. I one of the things that I really noticed was the the twins who appear mm. from time to time. How Hello. I yes, I, like I was I was ready to be scared by them, and I ended up. F- finding them kind of like uninteresting mm. and that was like I, I wanted more of that part of the story, more of the the ghost stuff, I guess. Yeah. Did you find any of it scary? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I get very scared by sort of threatening violence, mm. but because we were watching it on a television, that stuff you feel a little bit less it gets kind a bit of at risk. Um, and where does, where does your... Um, um, animus towards Nicholson spring from? Is it just like distaste for his affect, his performance? Yeah, I think, yeah. I really struggle to think of a film that I've, where I've really enjoyed his performance, except mm. for maybe Batman. I like, was just about to say <laughs> the Joker. <laughs> yeah. um, Jack Nicholson plays Jack Nicholson. Yeah, that's his, yes. Yeah. And we that's stand his Angelica Houston and, and, and he did her wrong. Yeah. Mm, I don't, yeah. <laughs> Um, they were dating. They were, they, were, they were together at the time. Oh, well, they were. Yeah, well. But no. Do you think Jack Nicholson never did cocaine? I'm kidding. <laughs> 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 um, I think the um, speaking of that, you know, and and of the the many sort of classic shots of this movie is you know Danny coming around that corner and seeing the two girls. But I think the the I think everything like and that that was something I'd because I've seen this movie a number of times but you know don't know it for you know verbatim and and the um it's just such a brilliant um, so it's the first use of 
well, the the guy who invented the Steadicam Garrett shot Brown. this movie. Mm. Um, and so all of those shots of, you know, following behind and the sound. The sound yeah. design is incredible. Is yeah. insane. Danny's rolling over the carpet. <laughs> yes, yeah. and, and then, then over the, the floor. It almost sounds um, like a heartbeat yeah. kind of thing. It's incredible. The, but it's also, they do that, and, and I, I loved it because I – I was watching it again and then you see Danny on his trikey and you're like, oh, okay, so this is when it's going to happen. No, it's like they yeah. just did that shot and it goes like, oh, it just warms you up. And then and, – and it still has the creepy music and all of that. And then they do that really, yeah, with the going across the carpet and then he turns the corner and it's just – oh, like it's just so well – like it's just that's, mm. that's how you do – Creepy stuff, you know. Yeah, um, that was creepy. And Triv- trivia, though, you were right that um, uh, it was one of the very first movies to use a Steadicam, and and the Steadicam was operated by its inventor Garrett Brown. However, the shots on following the trike is would, not. It's yes, not Steadicam. Sorry, it's a wheelchair. Yeah, they they had a they had a yeah. camera. It was the Steadicam. No, it was like it was still because they had to keep the. The um, like so they were yeah. still using it, but yeah. it was yeah they were running behind him uh, with a with a wheelchair, um, but he was doing something like Kubrick was also doing something like they um, he was t- like doing this insane timing as well, like to make mm. sure that like the the um the the wheelchair was exactly the same pace and all of this sort of mm. stuff, and that's why, you know, it would have just been a nightmare working with him, but you get the. You know, when you get things like that. Yeah, um, I, I read a story in a Kubrick biography that I read that apparently Garrett got mighty fucking pissed off with Kubrick. Yeah. Well, he said he was going to, Kubrick promised him that it was going to be a six-month shoot maximum. And um, I think Garrett had to be back in the States for something else big. It was another big, big picture. And oh, it was maybe Indiana Jones or something. And... um uh, the the shoot clearly went on much longer than it did. It went on for a year and he ended up spending that six months doing week on, week off, flying back every Friday on a Concorde back to... Oh, Concorde. <laughs> yeah, on the go. Imagine going on a Concorde. I'd love yeah. to do that. Um, between the two cities just to just working himself to the bone. But that those, just a quick segue into the into India there, the, I, f- forever I always just thought that this was a real hotel. I thought it was a real... A real place. Based on. A real, or a, was bla- like the, the exteriors are based on. And the, the interiors. No, yeah, but no, the, the, but the, the, oh, the, the interiors are set. based on, um, uh, there's the Stanley Hotel. There's one in Colorado. There's another one in uh, Yosemite. Yeah, the Iwani in, in yeah, Yosemite. Yeah. That's the one that reminded me. Yeah, of, that's, yeah. that's, yeah. Yes, was, that's more of the Native American the, stuff. The, um, yeah. yeah, the Native American, that's where a lot of that reference came from. But for, it's at it, Elm Street Studios in Herefordshire mm-hmm. in the UK. These... Like that, that whole cavernous room, the the foyer that Jack's typing typing away on, is all just a soundstage, which mm. is phenomenal. And mm. that soundstage was then uh, reused afterwards as the snake pit in Raiders, which no is shit. pretty crazy. Am I remembering correctly as well that that set burnt down? Yeah, yeah. You know why it burnt down? Because the lights that the lights were so fucking hectic to make it seem like daylight, S- daylight and snow. And on top of that. So uh, an Indian burial ground. Yeah, it's a bloody yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were doomed from the start. No, they um uh yeah, Kubrick insisted in shooting the film in sequence. So from start oh, to finish to get the biggest fuck's sake. Which is fucking which is a nightmare <laughs> from a production point of view. But he insisted on doing it in sequence so he he could really wind up 
the you know Shelley Duvall and and wind up the characters throughout the the, the production, and uh, he insisted on all the sets being lit all the time so he could move from room to room whenever he wanted to. So these lights are just on all day, just chewing through the fucking power. But does not like growing up thinking down. about movies and how they made movies. I just you know like didn't everyone think that they just started yeah. scene one. Shot one and just yeah. shot it from like, when, yeah. when, and then you start reading about like, you know, and you see the makings of movies. Like, oh yeah, so we shot the ending uh, on the first. Like I came in on the first day, and that was the uh, my final death scene. And yeah. you're like, God damn, yeah. how'd you do that? Whenever <laughs> I've seen behind the scenes things of people who shot movies in sequence, they always seem so fucking smug about it. Though. <laughs> yeah, they're so impressed with themselves that that's what they did. Have you seen Victoria, that German film? Came out a couple no, of years yeah. ago. All one shot. Oh, it's the, great. The all one shot. shot. They shot. Yeah. So it's an hour and a half. All one shot, one take. They they did it four times. I think it was the third time that they went. Yeah, that's the one. We'll go with that one. But it's it's like a bank heist into a. It's 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 a good time. It's that fun. was the thing with Russian Ark, wasn't it? That was a was that single shot. Yeah. Oh, that was the shot. long. That's yeah. like four or five hour film, right? W- was the one you were talking about, like, was it actually one shot? Yeah. 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 Because yeah. I think Roshanok, they did a couple of, like, cute little, Cheeky. Like, right. Cheeky yeah. shots. Yeah. Um, Kane, have we got a sponsor? Yeah, why not? This episode is brought to you by Marcy. Them what make the t-shirts. Man oh man, have I been getting it wrong. I've claimed that the T in t-shirt stands for Tom Bombadil, the Japanese particle te, and even t-shirt, as in t-shirt, t-shirt. This has brought great disgrace upon the fine people at the Marcy Corporation. Though they have not made any official reprimands, reprimanded any officials, levied any sanctions, or sanctioned any levies, I still feel a deep shame every time I get in the shower. A shame that makes my skin tingle like it's being barraged with drops of warm water. They're fine folks at Marcy. The whole organization is spearheaded by the illustrator Lewinsky. He the brass god who sears his illustrations onto soft fabric flesh. I got one of them delivered, put it on my shameful body and gosh darn it if people didn't start being nice to me. Emboldened, I started growling and snarling at retail workers, yet still, they were just peaches to me. They patted me on my head and asked me if I was a good boy and where I got that cute outfit. I responded by voiding my bowels on a florist floor, not a forest floor, which would have been more socially acceptable even if it's not exactly suit and tie behavior. Though the florist was a little upset about it, it did not blow up on Twitter and result in my cancellation or loss of professional opportunities, which says a lot about what it means to be a white dog man in Australia nowadays, or a dog white man for that matter. In any case, the florist mopped up my loose stool and used it as a fertilizer for some pretty flowers. She tried to wipe it up with my Marcy t-shirt, but I said, no way, Jose, and clamped my razor-sharp incisors on her forearm. And that's the story of how I gave a florist rabies and why I no longer have a mop in my car. So to answer your questions, yes, these t-shirts are printed on 100% combed and ring-spun cotton. Yes, there's also some handsome crew neck sweaters to choose from. Yes, you can order them from marcyshop.com. Yes, Michael McDonald has the voice of an angel. Yes, you're never going to look better. And yes, the T in T-shirt stands for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 4. We should probably talk about um, 
Dick Halloran, mm. uh, aka or <laughs> not aka, <laughs> All played the way by played by uh, one of the greatest named I'm the Scat Man, Scat Man Crothers, yeah. um, who is um, the head chef, the dapperest head chef at um, at the uh, um, at the Overlook Hotel, um, and also the um, the kind of the the uh, exposition, um, you know, delivery device um, <laughs> and magical black man um, who, uh, and in a classic horror trope, is the first one to uh, to really cop it, um, you know. So he does, the, the, the only the one only to, cop it. to cop it, right? Yeah, he's the only the person timeline. to be, uh, you know, he cops an axe in the chest. Um, he really does cop in it. The, uh, really you know, does. And, and after, it, and it's a real build-up. Like, he's flown there, he's got in the ice yeah. truck, and he walks through the door and cops an axe <laughs> that, in the that chest. Was, that was it's actually no, the, like, the, it's the, a real bummer. That it's was like, the thing that yeah. shocked me the most, actually. He didn't even get a chance to, like, run down a hall or anything like yeah. that. Jack, Jack just pops out it's and just like, axes hello, him. dead. Yeah. But that's kind of what I mean by the playfulness. Like, that's objectively funny. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is. So and and it's um you know and, and again the um the Simpsons reference when because um, <laughs> yeah. it's Willie and he's like oh I'm not very good at this yeah. <laughs> he cops the axe <laughs> in the chest um but there's um this great uh, on Shudder which is a horror streaming service there's a documentary called Horror Noir um which I, I watched want to see that yeah it's yeah. really good um it's just basically about you know um black characters in in horror um and um uh you know. Because there was some, uh, like the the original Night of the Living Dead. You know, it's a it's a black man who is, uh, and then yeah. gets shot down and all of that sort of stuff. But he's not the first one to go. And then, but um, there's this really uh, 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 so it says by the 1980s, black characters were mainly cast as sidekicks or um, of white leads. One prominent example is Scatman Crothers, who appears in The Shining as a mystical black man who provides information and protection to a white family. His existence or non-existence seems contingent on what he can do for them, and he is promptly killed once he is considered non-essential. Um, uh, so it makes the point that the character Crothers played does not die in the book, um, and the film makes him a sacrificial Negro. Um, Sacrificial, yes. I don't. I don't think he aligns a hundred percent with the trope of the magical black person, like that. That that the fact that he can read, like yeah, talk no, to but Danny he, between. <laughs> that's not my understanding of the trope beyond um, him being magical. Like, like the trope is not about like literal um, them being mad. You know what I mean? It's it's about, he just like, turns up whenever you need him. Yes, yes, that that is more the, the yeah. It's yeah. it's kind of they they can the big events. Yeah, yeah. They, they they they're there for convenient narrative purposes. At convenient, they, they're kind of like black Deus ex, ex machina. You know what I mean? I think that that's more the trope. Anywho, right. Well, he does have that. Yeah. Um, and he's got a great flat. He's got the mm. an awesome bachelor pad. Like, you know, he's he's got these, you know, he's when he's making those calls uh, in his bedroom and he's got the, you know, the beautiful black naked women, you know, up on the wall and then turns in and he's got a bar set up in his I'm like, oh, Scatman's living the life. I <laughs> I felt like his character was paid a little bit more respect than just being the sacrificial black man, to be honest. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, the fact the that there is there is clearly some awareness of race politics in the in the film 
and you, I don't think that you could, on the one hand, have that awareness, and on the other hand, then just blindly follow tropes. I don't think it's just yeah. a like, oh yeah, we need one of these guys for this purpose. Right. Um, so I've and but I but I didn't come to a conclusion about what was going on. I just was like, there is there is something more interesting here than just yeah. we need a black guy to murder with an axe in a brutal mm. moment or as a punchline to a joke. Yeah. And I think that that respect perhaps partly comes out of making uh, him, making his power and his role like kind of very deeply mysterious. You know what I mean? Like it's, if he's in touch with these occult energies and stuff, it, it's kind of there is there is a huge unexplained. But also, part is, is of, that a result from him being? He seems powerful. The, but but no. But is that a, like? I mean, he talks about being able to speak to his gra- grandmother. But is it also a result of being at the Overlook? Like that's uh, you know. Like, do, you know is do, there, this, do you know what it is? It's 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 like um, Tom Bombadil. You know what I mean? Tom Bombadil in, in in Fellowship of the Ring is like as far he may be the most powerful creature in Middle Earth, but 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 it is it is he is not so, according to Peter Jackson. Well, this yes, is, this is not the first time you've talked about Tom Bombadil. Is it really? <laughs> who the fuck? Uh, who the fuck is Tom Recently, did it? Who's, you talked about it in Aliens. Oh, did yes, I really? yeah. yes, it was in Aliens. Oh, I've got three who's references. Who's, yeah, yeah. Do we, let's not. Do you want to open this can of worms? The who's Bomber Tom Bombadil. <laughs> He's this, uh, it's early on in Fellowship of the Ring, um, Frodo and Sam and Pippin go into this forest and he's this like uh, magical, like kind of elfin sprite who sings in like, and talks in like rhyming couplets like and stuff. Interminable yeah, 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 yeah. Oh the good thing just is like that what they page, do is they page. format the <laughs> format the the songs like yeah. uh, differently, so you and can just go, songs. yep, next, next, <laughs> next, next, next. But, yeah. but but there's hints of him being perhaps one of the what are they called? The Maya? One he's basically the, like the most powerful maybe, person there. And yeah. that's why they just like, he's like, ah, I can't be asked. I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not coming with you. He may have been yeah. the only entity in Middle Earth that could have kept the One Ring safe from Sauron. Hmm. And, and, this, and I guess what I'm saying is that, that there, is a, there is a mysterious kind of hint at the power that Halloran may hold or wield. You hmm. know what I mean? But, yeah. Because Delbert Grady is a white supremacist, right? Like he's obviously, there is obviously some. Oh, 100%. And yeah. so th- there has to be a relationship between those two things as well, right? This, yeah. yeah. I, just as an aside, <laughs> when when he's the N-word, that, that yes. really. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. It, I wrote that down. Yeah. Because like, that's, that's a oh, thing that's like. that's what the N-word is because oh. nobody's ever said it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it just. You know, it doesn't, my hair back for yeah, sure. Yeah, it yeah just, totally. It's very confronting to hear. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's just two white guys saying it with such just casual, just, just, casual yeah. violence, and it's and but that scene. Uh, I mean, the whole oh, that scene in the bathroom. That may be the like, best mm, scene in the yeah, movie. I think that's like, an amazing scene. The, uh, and I also the want moment. a red bathroom. Yeah. Um, just quite. <laughs> but, <laughs> but on, on that, <laughs> when they actually where he he's going from the, the this like the gold room, the ballroom. Yeah. That's clearly out of the twenties, and they walk into this sort of eighties bathroom, this contemporary bathroom. You think that's eighties? That would read as like gilded 20s. age to me. 
Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, I think it's. I think that's meant to be. That I think it was meant to be jarring. I think it was meant to be like, whoa, they've gone from. They they're going through times here. It's like the bar. Mm. Well, they kind of mm. cross over. The bar itself um, is in the 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 gold room, which is very much set up in this twenties golden age thing. Uh, then you've got a like a, a top lit bar, almost like yep. a modern kind of. There's yeah, the two kind of cross over, which yeah, it's. I think it's meant to kind of throw you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, may, maybe I just don't know enough about interior design. It it, it seemed I I that did not happen. To I me. definitely don't think it was a twenties bathroom. It was like there's deco elements, but it's not. Mm. It's Guys, like, if you need yeah. to step outside and finish it, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, but Let's go it's, choose some tiles. Um, it was. Yeah, I, I mean that that whole Delbert Grady, and he's just so. I mean the cast, like the because it's not a big cast in this movie, no. um, and everything is just so. Everyone is just so perfectly chosen. Um, mm. uh, Danny was picked out of five thousand kids, um, and he sent. Um, there's another. Um, this is a, a far, um, a far better documentary, or a far. Um, <laughs> Um, a far better documentary. His finger was from another kid, though. It's called, <laughs> yeah. His, his finger, yeah. His, Insured his finger. for hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars. Um, it's a documentary called Film Worker, um, and it's about Leon Vitali, who was an actor in Barry Lyndon, one of the main stars in Barry Lyndon, who had only just got into sort of, you know, acting. He's a British guy. And then he was just so enamoured with working with and he was just so into film that he basically worked with he worked with Kubrick um on production for the rest of his life yes yes um and I I didn't see it so it was Leon Vitale and his wife who went to Chicago and they they went specifically to regions where they would get um an accent in between Jack Nicholson and uh, Shelley Duvall. Um, so I went to Chicago and they, they screened 5,000 actors, you know, young kids. Um, but hmm. Leon Vitale, it's, it's it, because, you know, because wow. you know what Kubrick is, but like he, uh, yeah. but he, and you watch this documentary and it's incredible because this man just, he loved working in film. He put up with so much shit. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Like, but he... Um, it was his life, and um, and he also got treated really poorly after um, his uh, after um, Stanley Kubrick's death by his estate. And um, but uh, but he's since things have been um, there's been some repair to that. Um, but can, can, yeah. I, can I just say one thing that occurred to me while I was watching it? Uh, Danny Lloyd, right? Yeah. Can you think of any other Jake Lloyd? Yes. <laughs> Jake Lloyd, Anakin, who played Anakin, Anakin Skywalker in Phantom Menace. Yeah. Like, both of them really had no career after that, right? Did Danny Lloyd really act? I don't think no. so. Again? No, there, there was no, his, no, it was his, it was his one, one, one and yeah. done. One, really? I think he's, I think he's like an estate agent or something. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a teacher. Yeah. Um, That's just so funny to me. That they were both ruined. <laughs> yeah, totally. And they even have similar haircuts. They did. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Are you an angel? Uh, have, you, have you guys read the book? Has anyone read no. the book? No. The Shine. I mean, it's uh, it's meant to be extremely different. How many Stephen King films? I mean, books had been f- made into films by the point not, The Shining. Was not made. many at all. He was oh, like a pulpy. He was like a pulpy, um, a, a bit trashy. Like so, the way the way Kubrick actually found this book 
was uh, this is reportedly in one of his in his autobiography in his biography. Sorry, his um, secretary would bring in just boxes and boxes of pulpy novels and just throw them on his desk and he would just read a few pages. Can I, sorry, can I just interject? Because he wanted to, um, it was a long, between, long long time between and horror was kind of a thing that he wanted to try. Mm. And so yeah, it he, was like pulpy horror novels or just yeah. the horror novels. He wanted to he'd give find them, a new... He'd read a chapter or two and then... Uh, she said she remembers hearing the sound of books just slapping against the door when he was just like, Dumb. he was done with one. And then maybe an hour passed and there hadn't been, hadn't been any thuds. And, <laughs> and then sure enough, this was the one he's like, yep, yep. This is the guy. I've never heard of this guy, Stephen King. And basically got him on the phone, uh, asked him a few semi existential questions and questions about the about what his thoughts on religion and supernatural and blah, blah, blah. Stephen King didn't give him a whole lot back um, as far as anything new to bring to the table. So I think that was the last they actually spoke. And uh, and then basically Kubrick pretty much rewrote the, the – he kept the, the loose outline but rewrote the whole thing. He added oh, in so much more. And Stephen King was famously unhappy with it, yeah, right? Yeah, he oh, did not massively, like it. No. Massively, massively. To, there, there was one adaptation to answer your question, and I bet one of you can think of it. Adaptation of a Stephen King novel beforehand. Oh. There's just one beforehand. Mm. Before this, yep. Very famous one. Oh, stand by me. No, no, no. That's oh, no, sorry, be, that was way after. That's after. after. Um. Oh, I. Lead actor also has a southern accent. Bucket of Blood. Oh, Carrie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. But um, so <laughs> we got there. We got, yeah. So um, Kubrick and King never really saw eye to eye after that. But there, yeah, King basically said it's the only it's the only movie adaptation of his work. Uh, that he could remember hating, and this is years <laughs> after, and he's had so many film adaptations. And a lot um, of garbage ones as well. So Yeah, yeah. Know. So much so that um, Stanley and King really didn't see eye to eye throughout a lot of this film. In the book, there was a red VW that um, Jack and the family drove to the, the Overlook Hotel. In the film, it's, it's clearly changed to a yellow one in the start, but as Scatman is driving to the uh, back to the house, he's mm. gotten off his plane, there's a clear shot of a red VW crushed in a semi-trailer yes. that he has to drive around, which is just like a little fucking <laughs> fuck you to Stephen King. Um, Kubrick uh, called King's writing weak and and basically said that, um, yeah, he could do much better. And then King then again said yeah. Kubrick's portrayal of Wendy Torrance was just misogynistic and she should be a far stronger character. Yeah. And, well, it's it's, it's uh, very similar to Dr. Strangelove. Dr. Strangelove was based on just a throwaway pulp novel. You know what I mean? Mm. It was just mm. kind of built upon that. Like from and, a basic idea. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, then yeah. he turned it into yeah, yeah. i guess I, I guess which is all to say that that um kubrick had no intention probably at any point of retaining any real fidelity to the source material he, he just, just needed looking, looking for some bones to throw some meat on exactly right? yeah. yeah um did you see did you know it was made in like king after i don't know maybe it was 
I don't know if Kubrick had just died or it was after he had died or I need to get the timeline right here, but he made his own version of The Shining, a TV series, yes, three a, part. a miniseries. A miniseries yes. that was true to the book. Oh. And it was he absolutely it, right? panned. Yeah. He, yeah, it was like creative control. Well, his, wasn't wasn't his, his experience on The Shining also one of the things that led him to direct his one and only movie, Maximum Overdrive? Oh, God. Oh, which is a... Maximum Overdrive? It's a famously bad movie. Uh, <laughs> I've never book. seen it. Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, or something? I, 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 is that I a Steven got, Seagal joint? I, I, um, <laughs> I, I know nothing about it. I just know it as, as a reference. It stars Yardley Smith, a.k.a. A. Lisa, Lisa Simpson. Lisa Simpson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And Emilio yeah. Estevez. I, I really don't know anything drive. about it. Wow. Uh, let's put the trailer in the show notes or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's meant to be terrible. <laughs> All right, I think it's time okay. for Is That a Fact? 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 Yeah, it's a fact. So this is a little game. Not sure if you're aware, but I give you three facts. One of them isn't, isn't real. It's completely fake. Completely made up. You have to tell me which one it is. <laughs> okay. Fact. You know what? I realize I'm going to change the name of this game. I'm going to call it typewriter or type wronger. <laughs> and they're all going to be facts about the typewriter. Uh-oh. All trivia and no play makes Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> Strong boy. Okay. Okay. You're in the hot seat here. Okay. You're in the hot seat. Fact number one. In Italian, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy was translated on screen to the morning has gold in its mouth. Fact number two. I'm not even going to give you time to think about that one. Just moving on. Fact number two. Kubrick uh, typed all of the all work and no play pages himself on his own personal typewriter. Oh, uh, no. no. Fact number three. The typewriter sold at a London auction in June 2015 for £180,000. Fact. Which one is the false one? The middle one. Kubrick typing all the things. I'm sorry to tell you oh this. My God. I had to look up. I couldn't remember which one it was. <laughs> no, it actually didn't sell at all at auction because it's um it's it's in it's part of his estate and it, ah. and it tours and goes around and, and um it's exhibited. Oh, that and exhibition. um it turns out he actually did type all of the pages himself. His typewriter had an auto setting and various that's different took little twelve months. That's to... what, that's what, <laughs> that's that's what, what the production was no, pushed like, Come out. on, just another page. We need another page. <laughs> and did, did you actually notice some of the misspellings? Stanley, in there Stanley, as well? we, we can put pages? blank pages cool. in. We can put blank pages in between the other ones. It's like no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, that's great. The because I had that as well. So for for the, all the international versions, they did. did International, yeah. Uh, yeah. International um, typing. Yeah, I think there was uh, in German. It was don't put off tomorrow, what you can do today. Huh. Don't put it. Don't put <laughs> off tomorrow till what you can do today. Which famously, actually, I'm po- saying. German is a famously polysyllabic language. Like yeah. how long, was, how long yeah. was that? The Spanish translation is although one will rise early, it won't dawn sooner. Which is very similar to the Italian one, isn't it? Like it there's is. kind of in the same ballpark of the dawn-related things. The morning has gold in its mouth. Mm. Doesn't <laughs> um, it just? Yeah, it does. Yeah, well, I, that, that's so funny because because I, that that sounds so much like a Giallo title. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they probably tried to 
make it sound like you know the the bird with a crystal plumage or whatever. Yeah. Hey, another piece of trivia about a different film because I <laughs> opened up the Wikipedia page. Uh, Maximum Overdrive has a mid-1980s hard rock soundtrack composed entirely by the group ACDC, King's favorite band. ACDC's album Who Made Who was released as the Maximum Overdrive soundtrack. It features the best-selling singles Who Made Who, You Shook Me All Night Long, and Hell's Bells. What? What? That's a good soundtrack. (laughs) That's that's a good soundtrack. That's crazy. Um, This didn't type into typewriter or type wronger, but the other thing I found... Um, just, just amazing was, uh, there were over 900 tons of salt that they went through on the shoot. It was salt mixed with crushed styrofoam to, uh, create all the snow. They created that maze for, for the, a, a large the, chunk of it. Was that at Elstree or whatever as well? Yeah, it was, it was on, yeah, it was on site. They actually created part of the, ma- there's one amazing shot when he's looking down on top. Oh, of, I was about to say, of the, is that a real, like, so. So that's how did they do that? It's a, no, it's a it's a composite. So there's right. there's the oh, center where incredible. they're walking around in the um, in the center of the maze uh, was built. It was built uh, below an apartment building. So in the sort of basketball court garden area, uh, they built this maze, and so then good. they've perfectly angled and composited in the the rest of the, the rest of the maze, the rest of the the the, the model. And it, yeah. it just looked. That was the one shot where I was like. Yeah, I was. I, I could not because and, and I was looking at it again. I was like, "Hold on, hold, is that like animated? Like, have yeah. they sort of done?" And then it gets closer you know, and closer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. trying yeah. trying to find the seams in it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, a, there's a early on when I think when they first arrive at the hotel, and they're being shown around, and they go to the go to the maze, um, and the manager of the hotel says, "This is our famous hedge maze," and I was like, "Oh, that's a foreboding." Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Nothing. That's, that's this will not never be come seen up. again. That's not going to come up at the end of the movie at all, is it? This yeah. is our famous non-deadly yeah. hedge, maze. hedge maze. But that's but it's a, like the only one of its type in film. <laughs> yeah, but also, and, and it's a but it, but it is one of those things that pushes at the end because Danny's hiding behind the um the um the snow you know snow yeah. machine or whatever, mm. and. Jack's walking out with his axe, and I'm like, I reckon you could probably just hidden behind that, Denny. You probably yeah. would have been you, – yeah. you, you could have snuck around there. I mean, he's like seven, so he's been through a, he's yeah. been through a bit. Um, <laughs> but, what, what, um, what are your thoughts on, on if, we're, if we're getting towards the pointy end of this thing, um, the, the thoughts on what this whole thing means? Like the – is it reincarnation? I was going to like, We haven't touched on this a, at all. We've, I was going to ask a similar question of everybody because I've watched it many, many times and I, and I feel – not for a while, but I feel like every time I've watched it, I've thought it was quote-unquote about something different every time I've watched it. Me too. It, I'm which the I, same. Which, which I think is kind of – the genius, which is worth sure. It's a, it's a that means it's a good film, right? In a yeah. lot of ways, if you're kind of still thinking about it, you're still getting things out of it. I know I went down the rabbit hole with that abuse stuff earlier, but that's something that I had never, I never had mm. ever thought of watching. And, and there's there's countless YouTubes and you know that it's been picked apart tirelessly. Um, but what do you think it's about? I'm I'm an incredibly literal person, and I will get to the end of any book or film, and somebody says, "What is that about?" Like, well, I mean, in the first chapter, this thing <laughs> happens, and then yeah. some other events happen throughout the it's book. About or a crazy film, dad. Yeah, no, it's about a crazy dad. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. I I don't. I mean, I feel like there are lots of different possible readings, yeah. but I didn't I didn't arrive at one where I was like, "This is definitely the message that 
Would you watch trying, it again? Yeah, I definitely would. I definitely would watch it again. do you think you could, after talking about it, could get more out of it or more or see things slightly differently? Definitely. I feel like this is one of the films, if you are going to watch it again, go down the rabbit hole, watch some mm. YouTubes, because yeah. then you get like, like, oh, that's that. That means, oh, right, yeah. Well, because there's, there's, you know, there's the, the really literal reading of this movie that it's just... Um, you know, isolation, someone who is already slightly unhinged and just start getting, you know, started going crazy. But then there's, um, you know, then who lets him out of the, um, yeah, of the yes. ice locker, um, and things like that. And it's like, oh, and that's the one truly inexplicable yeah. thing that happens in the movie, right? Or, yeah. or and the picture at the end. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the one time that but the supernatural, anything the supernatural that is truly physical, something action. physical yeah, yeah, in yeah. the film, because everything else can be explained within mm. someone's mind or yeah, thinking about. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, there's because there's no one to let him out. So mm. how did he get out? You know, and that's the the sort of that's, Grady that's, at the door was so it just the, oh, yeah, and the and I mean, this film is just so beautiful. Like mm. it just. Every shot is so extraordinary and you just want to eat it up. And like the shot of that, that long shot of when he's at the door, Shelley's on the other side and it's just shot right from underneath mm. and he's just sitting there and it's just amazing. Like it's, you know, and Check every, yeah. So, um, but, but what's your take on it, Miguel? Answer, answer the question. Um, answerable. Yeah. I... Uh, I believe that there is um, something supernatural going on at the, you know, at at that at that place, and but I also think that it was just um, that, uh, but I also think that Jack is because he's almost sort of triggered at the start, where um, not triggered, but um, he's alerted at the start that, oh, someone else has been chopped up here, you know, like, um, because he gets told that whole story. Um, uh, when he's at the meeting, he's like, oh, okay. Um, and he's like, if if I'm here and if I'm not getting my book done, I'm probably going to chop them up, um, you know, if they're really <laughs> impeding me here. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I think he is, um, yeah, he's just an unhinged person like I, I i like to read it more literally but then again i think seb's right and, and and you're right in the sense that yeah you can it's it's just it, it's almost like you how you feel about it or or your thesis on it is just whatever the last time you watched it you mm. know and whatever mood you were in mm. and whatever um yeah. and that's what the i think the genius of it is and and you can you can also just watch this as purely just a a visual feast mm. as well and just take it all in. That's um, how I yeah, that's how I used to watch it and putting it on watching it for this podcast and actually studying it a little more than actually just putting it on as a fun little uh horror film to put on put on with friends kind of thing. Um I've got a completely new take on the whole thing, which is all about reincarnation, about like you look back at the scene where he's um, he first goes, checks the hotel out, and then he comes back and he's speaking to Wendy and he's like, I had this really weird feeling of deja vu, like yeah, deja, deja vu. 
that um, <laughs> I feel like I've been there. I Hashtag. feel like I've, <laughs> I feel like I've been there before. Like I've got this real feeling mm. like I've been there before and it's all about cycles of violence and cycles of he was drawn there for a particular reason and it was inevitable that he was going to, uh, inevitable that he was going to do what he did. It's kind of what, what Grady was saying in the bathroom. You've always been the caretaker. I've always been here. They're like in some way, shape or form that they've always been there. And maybe Danny broke that cycle of, of violence by not becoming violent himself or, um, getting away from Jack in the end. He's the, he isn't the, the dead slain twins. He, he kind of broke that cycle. So maybe that's the end of the, the end of the cycle. And then Jack's been absorbed into the, the picture in the end. There's a lot of like, Mm. (laughs) there's a lot of, um, I think it was an HP Lovecraft quote, which, um, Kubrick famously used to it was his mantra. It's more or less the leaving mysteries unknown is, is kind of mm. how you keep people mm. wanting more and, and entertain. And like, there's a lot of different ways that you can interpret this. And that's why we're talking about it now. It's kind of. Yeah. The thing I was struck by, um, when I was watching it is, is that I, I, I think the thing I thought it was about rewatching it was that it's about, um, how patriarchy reasserts itself and how it, um, kind of similarly to what you're talking about, that that it is something that um, every man inevitably, like within the movie, returns, gets, to. returns to, gets trapped in, is gets sucked down into this vortex. And and, and I think that the that the hotel to, to one degree or another embodies like the site of patriarchy, you know what I mean? And perhaps there is a hopeful kind of idea that um, uh, Danny escapes it. You know what I mean? Mm. Apart, perhaps because you know he's 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 feminized he's in a way because of his proximity mm. to his mother, and also there's there's a suggestion that he is he's a dual person. You know mm. what I mean? Yep. In in that uh, he, which perhaps suggests that he has both gender characteristics within him, rather than the total like dominance of. Um, patriarchal impulse that that um that jack um sort of suggests and you know uh there's so many lines like um who, who we haven't talked about uh, lloyd the bartender joe joe turkle you know he does the famous mm. um uh women can't live with them can't yeah. live without them yeah. And 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 I also, but I also think that it's it's uh, like as part of that patriarchy is kind of the oppressiveness and potential violence of conventional domestic structures. You know what I mean? Because uh, he's you know he says, "Honey, I'm home." You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, which again is is kind of like this this very familiar, comfortable phrase that we associate with um, perfect sitcom family lives. And also the here's Johnny, you know, that is kind of, um, again, kind of suggests uh, a family sitting around watching Johnny and, Carson. Oh, and and Dad I mean? doing the bad impression of, you know, Johnny exactly. Carson sort yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah. But that know. ties back to the start where the family's in the car driving up to the Overlook and she's like, didn't the Donner Party die around here? And Danny's yeah. like, oh, Donner Party, are they the ones that died in the... And he's like, how do you know that? He's like, you probably learn it off TV. Mm. So it's this kind of whole look yeah. at, at violence and television. And that's, yeah. And Fuck, I think male so... violence, like, mm. that, that's the thing that really leapt out to me. You know, I think, I think it's... But then how do you... 
square that with the treatment of Shelley Duvall in I mean Well, I mean can I, you can you be can can you can you construct that kind of metaphor? Well, while I, also, yeah, no, a hundred percent. Because you're I mean, allowed to read it that way, obviously. Yeah, can no, you, yeah. I think it's consistent with the the reading because she is just utterly terrorized by mm. by all that. Yeah. Like, like the, you know, like I had to talk in terms of like a work of art or whatever, but a work of art doesn't have to have like a countervailing like uh, support. You so, know, like a legit is, reading. Yeah, yeah or, or or like. Uh, count balance its moral degradation with, um, a, you know, propping up or, or sub, a moral good. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And I mean, I think the production and her performance, you know, like bear out the fact that she was terrorized during the mm. of this film. Mm. Yep. So this, this almost, uh, I, I, I was watching this and thinking, um, much like how, uh, when we were discussing Alien, um, just going around the room. If you had to uh, be isolated in a um, a place with, you know, your, maybe your, your closest and dearest, um, but cut off from uh, everyone um, for five months, could you do it? Uh, I could certainly do it alone. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be a problem. Yeah. I mean, I could do it with Alex, of course. Yeah. I think yeah, definitely a place of this size. There's plenty of, plenty of, five months. Sure. Blink and it's a couple of years of yeah, gone. no internet though. I could. Oh fuck! All right. No. I mean, let's throw the work out of. Yeah. If I if I was writing a novel, you'd write your novel. You'd write oh, yeah. you'd write your novel, wouldn't you? You just I'd write, write it. You just novel, get on with it and write but it. I wouldn't be yeah. writing it in the foyer of the hotel. How long is that place going to take to heat up? Oh, You're going to be ice cold. He's got the fire blaring. It's going to be no wonder he's not getting any work done. He's putting the fire <laughs> on in the morning. It's not hot till about eight o'clock at night. He gets what two hours of work done. He's got to go to bed. Yep. Yeah. That's a stupid place to write your book. Go did, on and did. Oh, sorry. No. Verge. I'm done. What do you reckon? <laughs> uh, I could definitely do it. I'm a definite shut in. Yeah. Um, I could do it, you know, with Sophie. I think that would be yeah. fine. I would probably not invite my parents. <laughs> would, Hide the sharp I would, things. I think I would struggle. Yeah. Um, would you do what Jack did and take the uh, some cords out of their engine at their house before you went up to the Prob- probably. Yeah. yeah. I think Hide yeah, I think I would I think I would struggle with Burn the hedge maze down. <laughs> yeah. I get Ooh, it. Burning the hedge maze down that, that sounds It's a good phrase. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, no I, I kind of did it. Um a couple of months down in down in Tassie recently, just yeah, but isolated. you were cut off from the entire I had the internet, world, Netflix and stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it was it was cold and it was. I, I kind of love it. I'd embrace it. Yeah. How about you? I mean, Dalesford's pretty far away. Dalesford is. It was snowed. <laughs> it snowed true. like what, crazy what, the other day. What, to your mind, is the greatest restriction uh, uh, of it? Of is well, is, 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 is it the restriction of not going outside or just being in proximity? Like it's eating canned peaches for yeah. Every oh no! Oh, when when, had... when when she was cranking open that like mega tin of fruit cocktail, yeah. I could oh. <laughs> <laughs> you see the meat store they had. He's got we got. We, we got, got burgers and burgers. We got, and we got all these. <laughs> no, I, I guess it's more just cutting yourself off <laughs> nope. from, and this is literally a, apart from basic communication, cutting yourself off from society for oh. five months. 
fun. So, so, so that is the thing to you which seems difficult about it. No, I'm just one. No, because society it's, it's, it's is very a, annoying. Yeah, yeah. Oh, best right? of times. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I've moved away from the larger society, but uh, it's still plenty annoying. Mm. Um, mm. You know, it's more the the there's there's no like connection. If like you full like this is like castaway sort of shit, you mm. know. If you had to be forced to move up into the hills for five months uh, and be snowed in and write a book, what would you write your book on? Oh, there you go. <laughs> There's a juicy one. <laughs> I reckon it would be about symbolism in The Shining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, do I'd we write have my novel? You were what? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, what is it? Tell yourself that. Um, <laughs> to 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 I don't know. It's a it's a John Kennedy tool esque, uh, you know, Confederacy of Dancers. Yeah. That book is that, but uh, in content marketing, <laughs> <laughs> or written in, or written in Klingon <laughs> or something. Uh, <laughs> that sounds even more annoying. <laughs> the axe would definitely get sharpened. Um, all right, have we got any final last little? Bits about The Shining. Any last? I mean, there's so much bits? more to talk yeah, I mean, about. I don't know yeah, how to like. Where? Yeah. Where do you? I, I've got I just one. Think, oh, yeah. yeah. Is well. Is Jack Daniels a bourbon? No, it's not. It's Tennessee whiskey. Exactly. That annoyed uh, the shit out of yeah, me. <laughs> there, there, there are only two, um, uh, two Tennessee whiskeys made: uh, Jack Daniels and George Dickel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, and it is made pretty much in the same way as bourbon, except it goes through the lint. I think it's called something like the Lynchburg County process, mm-hmm. which is a filtration mm-hmm. through charcoal. Is this yes. what you're writing a book on? No, I just bartended for a long time. Yeah, but no, but because he uh, he asks for yeah. a bottle of bourbon and he gets a bottle of Jack Daniels, yeah. Yeah. and I was like, nope, come on, you know you're a, you're you're a spirit spirit and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and just there's so much red in this movie, so much red. There's a lot of, there's a lot of red, white, and blue, and that is also, uh, yeah. I mean, it plays on the whole. We haven't really talked about the uh, Native American thing, but and the disrespect that that's that's a whole other angle. That's kind of a more, it's a it's an obvious one. I feel like that his, was kind of like a little bit of a red herring. Yeah, the, the when he's throwing throwing the tennis ball at the that's the that's the one where you're like, mm. ooh, that's pretty disrespectful. Where he's just mm. really fucking pelting a tennis ball at the at the rug and the you know um but there's a lot of he's just an american yeah (laughs) yeah but they threw out the whole thing i mean he's wearing kind of muted colors of red white and blue when he's doing his axe chopping but all throughout when they're Mother and daughter are going. Mother and son, sorry, are going through the hedge really maze. Popping They've got really popping red colors. Really, Shelley's really red strong. boots. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's some really. There's a lot of flags, American flags. And yeah. Danny's outfits are fucking strong. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The Apollo Eleven jumper, He's got the, drip, and the Mouse man. jumper. That's the American thing as well. What did you think? Uh, what did you think of Danny in general? Like as a performance for great. Yeah, he's he was great. Good. He was, yeah. He, you very, know, the whole time he contained. did not know he was in a horror film. Yeah. Yeah. Like they just they told him he was he was in a drama. Yeah, I saw a little. Um, Stanley Kubrick's daughter did a a little making of fifteen minute thing, um, which is really good. It's good. It's a good little behind the scenes, and she interviews Danny, and um, she's like, "So what do you?" He's like, "I don't know what I'm working on. It's just this drama thing." And like, she's like, "What are you getting out of this?" And uh, he's like. Like, I don't know, my mom and dad didn't tell me. Maybe, like, 
I thought I was just going to get a couple of bucks or something, but I probably like five bucks at least. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah, kid. Come yeah. on. It's great. It's really cute. He acts the fuck out of that. It's great. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. the only thing he did. And again, like like a non-naturalistic performance, but that that's really great and big and small and at the same time. And he does those voices as well. That's yeah. not overdubbed. The He's little, doing that. Red Ram! The little, Red Ram! the little finger thing that he does, he just did yeah. that in the audition just off, the, off, his, own, oh, really? off his own accord. That Tony was, was... Tony was... Tony was him. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Do you have any, Ooh. like, footnotes that we might not have covered? Uh, well, I, um, when I said to, said to a friend the other day that um, I was going home to watch The Shining and she said, oh, um, that reminds me of this hilarious um, anecdote of, um, this is, this is uh, Mike and, Mike and C. I don't mm. know, you might've heard this story before, Mike, um, where uh, Mike's stepdad, who is famously a bit of a dork, um, uh, is chatting to Mike about having, having watched a film. I can't remember the name of the film. It's the, it's the horror film. You know, the one, the one where the guy goes, Bruce is coming in. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, which is, is the way that I have in. always thought of The Shining. As the, uh, Bruce, Bruce is, is coming, coming in. in. That sounds like the Australian remake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bruce yeah. is coming yeah. in. Like, yeah, yeah. Flame and mongrels. He is Daryl. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think. Oh, well, I, think I, that's, I, that's, I just. Oh, I just sorry. One one small thing and one big thing. Uh, the skeletons at the end looked pretty corny. You know what I mean? Oh, the skulls. Yeah, yeah. 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 It did look like a yeah, yeah. And kind of like more of a shout out and a and a and an urging people to um, look her up and learn about her. But Wendy Carlos, who did the uh, score, amazing mm. score. Oh. She, uh, not only is the score amazing, she is a fascinating person. Who uh, uh, a while back, you know, there was one of those little quote t- tweet things that do the round, like who who which musical artist, artist most needs a biopic made about them. For me, it's Wendy Carlos. She, um, uh, she was one of the first out trans people, like, ever. She, like, she, and, well, uh, no, that's not strictly true. She was, she was definitely one of the first people in public life to be um, public about undergoing gender reassignment um, or gender confirmation surgery. Uh, she, have you ever seen, you would have seen it in a million op shop, um, uh, bins switched on bark. Mm. She, uh, made that record and it's one of the biggest, highest selling records of all time. Switched on bark. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a more or less a novelty record where, where, uh, she played like bark tunes on like a modular Moog synthesizer amazing. and it was kind of like oh, an, bark. I thought I thought it was like she was like had some instrument made out of bark and I was like <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah I I, I I seek out her music okay. and read about her because because I, I just think that she's endlessly yeah. fascinating oh well I think that's probably I mean yeah we could we could keep on uh 
chatting away about this movie till uh, the cows come home, but I think uh, we'll call that a wrap. Thanks, as always, to Jeremy Watsman of the Jackie Winter Group for allowing us to record in this delightful recording studio. Listen to their podcast, Jackie Winter Gives You the Business. You can follow us on all the Instagrams and... Twitters and MySpaces, etc. Um, I'm Mike Cairns. Over there is Kane Porkchop Daniel. Go screw. And Seb <laughs> Sebas Godfrey. Yeah, you too. And <laughs> thank you very much, Virginia, for joining us. Thank you, Virginia. Um, My great pleasure. And uh, you, you, you were just at a, a, a meeting for something that um, our listeners should probably donate some money to. So could you let us know about what that is? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Mike, that's um, great. So um, I'm on the board of the um, small organisation Women and Mentoring, which pairs up volunteer mentors with women who have been charged with a crime. Um, the aim is to help women um, who are in this situation kind of avoid conviction, avoid prison, um, and which is obviously great for uh, both our community and for the women themselves. Um, so the uh, Women and Mentoring website is womenandmentoring.org org.au um, and if you go to yeah, women.womenandmentoring.org.au slash donate is the mm -hmm. uh, page that you can access to make a donation. Um, I think it costs about, I think it costs us about $3,000 a year to maintain a mentoring relationship between a, um, a woman and her mentor. So one of the program participants and, and her mentor, uh, and it costs something like $145,000 a year to keep a woman in prison. So, um, it's a, it's just a mm. uh, great, yeah. great way to spend your money. Well, please, yeah. everyone, we'll, we'll put it put it in the show notes as well. But uh, I know my, my business has donated a lot to that over the last few years. Um, yeah, and I very think it's a great, uh, a, a very great thing. But also thank you for joining us and, and suggesting what a cracking film to, 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 uh, yeah, Good uh, to discuss. Um, yeah. and, um, and we're glad that you got to <laughs> watch this for the first time as well. Yeah. Um, great choice. I, I now know yeah. what Bruce's coming in is all about. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think, uh, yeah, that's a wrap and, uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you, uh, again very soon. Uh, Tony says bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.